This is the Shanice Lewis Show, the number one podcast for plus-size women. With your host, the queen of curvy conversation, Shanice Lewis. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis. Today is Monday, January 7th, 2019. Make sure you're following the show's social media pages on Facebook at The Shanice Lewis Show and on Instagram and Twitter at Shanice Show. You can also subscribe and listen to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcasting app. Today, we have a very special guest on the show, Allison Magadna, and I'll introduce you to her right after this commercial break. It's 2019, and it is your year. Join me, Kimberly Walker, the founder of Curves Busily Empowered, for an inspirational event Curves Bifley Empowered Experience 4 in Seattle, Washington, January 19th and 20th, 2019. Prepare yourself for dynamic speakers like our inspirational keynote speaker, Marie Denae, the curvy fashionista, and watch our curvy ladies slay the runway. So, go to www.kimberlyjwalker.com for more information, and I hope to see you there. Again, that's www.kimberlyjwalker.com. KimberlyJWalker.com. Happy New Year. All right. So my guest today is a news junkie with a passion for style and entertainment. Allison McGivna has been working in digital media for more than a decade with a specialty in fashion, film, and television. She has worked across multiple platforms and has experience in several roles, including a writer, producer, host, and style architect for major brands and personalities. Allison built her media career at some of the industry's top digital and broadcast outlets, including I1 Digital, where she was the vice president of the Women's Lifestyle Division, overseeing content for HelloBeautiful.com and MadamNoir.com. She has also contributed to Glamour Magazine, People's Style Watch, and was a featured columnist as well as on FoxNews.com, where she helped to build the independent entertainment and style site, Fox411.com, a nationally recognized fashion celebrity and pop culture expert. Her work has provided her opportunities to interview some of Hollywood's and Washington's biggest names like Tom Cruise to Maxine Waters, Denzel Washington to Marilyn Mosley, Jerry Lee to April Ryan, and more. And we are so excited to have her on the show today. Let's welcome Allison to the show. Hi. Hi there. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you because you have so much to talk about. <laughs> I know. Listening to the bio, it always makes you feel like you're like, wow, I've I've uh, been busy the last couple of years. <laughs> you have. So let's start at the beginning of your career. So you have a master's degree in history. Now, I would assume someone like that would be one, a history teacher, or doing something like researching. So tell us how did you get your start or your transition into digital media with a 
history degree. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I definitely, when I was in school, thought I was going to be a um, a professor of history for sure. Um, my my degree was in 20th century American history, so it was pretty modern. The content that I was studying, I was focusing on uh, social movements of the 20th century, so like the civil rights movement and the women's rights movement and different things like that. Um, and, but, you know, while I was in school, I wanted to, obviously Northwestern has one of the best journalism schools in the country. And I started becoming friends with some students who were in the master's program. Um, and so I just started connecting with people and really just, you know, feeling like media was an opportunity to write about things that really, uh, mattered as they were happening. Like I didn't want to just be as much as I love history and I think it's so important and valuable and historians are such an undervalued uh, position because it really speaks to like, like it can really tell you about like, you know, what happened in the past. If we don't learn from it, we're never going to mm-hmm. change as mm-hmm. right now. Um, but I really wanted to write about things that were happening right then at this moment, not just talking about the past. So I really had to start over. I left, um, I was in a PhD program and I ended up coming back and just finishing at the master's level and um, deciding to pursue journalism after that. And I had to work, you know, as a local reporter for like the local town news. And I started out making like pennies and just building my way up from there and then um, went to digital media around 2007-ish and I've been in it ever since. So you started working your way up in digital media, and one of the jobs you got, you got a stint at foxnews.com. Now, would you say that was your big break in digital media? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Prior to that, I was, um, I had worked my way up in digital, uh, I mean, in uh, local news media at that point. Um, I had kind of, you know, been working in newspapers, and then I was working for a little while at New Jersey Network News, so I was learning how to do production there. Um, but, yeah, my big break was definitely going to foxnews.com, which was a really interesting position because um, the dot-com at that time was a little bit different than the rest of the channel. Uh, you know, the the this was just before Obama was elected president, and um, so it was a really obviously interesting time to be working at Fox, um, but it was <laughs> – that's my political way of saying it. Um, right. But, you know, it uh, – <laughs> but, you know, the dot-com was um, all young journalists, and we were really kind of pushing the envelope, and there was a lot of room to grow because – um, Fox had had a dot-com for a long time, but they were really looking to transform it. And so it was a really exciting time to work in digital media and to really see the evolution and the like sort of blow up of, of digital news um, during that time. So it was, it was a really great experience, a fun experience. And um, I was also working in, you know, entertainment. I started out in news, but then I switched over to entertainment about six months in. So um, yeah, so it was just a really fun ride. And so your time there, you never had to deal with the conservative politics. You were strictly entertainment. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, yes, of course, I worked for a very conservative news outlet. I think that they've evolved um, even, you know, become, you know, sort of even more stringent in their views in the last couple of years. But for me, yes, I was working in, uh, first of all, in dot-com, which, you know, I remember – 
back at the time, there were these articles, whether this is true or not, I'm just going to throw it out there. There were these articles on like Gawker that would say that, you know, foxnews.com, you know, was sort of like operating separately from the rest of the, the overall Fox News and that, you know, the, the people upstairs didn't know about us because they were like a little bit more, um, you know, I guess sort of middle of the line uh, and not your like stereotype of what Fox is. Um, so that was always funny, but yes, you know, working in entertainment, I was interviewing celebrities. I was, you know, talking about the latest movies that are coming out, obviously Fox 20th century Fox and the Fox studios and the FX and all those things. Like I was really dealing much more in that than I was in writing any political stories. Like there's nothing, you know, I think the most political thing I ever wrote, um, at Fox was a piece about, um, the white house cocktail party, you know, and like how the Obamas were ushering in a new level of glam, you know, and I'm sure some of the Fox readers were mad at me for that, but, um, that was the political as I got in that role. (laughs) And, you know, I will say this too, that, you know, no matter what your politics are, and I have friends who are obviously on both sides of the aisle, um, you know, and, and if you follow me on Twitter or social media or you follow my writing, it's pretty clear what my politics are. But um, I still have a lot of friends who work at, worked or still work at Fox, and it was a really – I personally had a great experience. I know that, uh, you know, I can't speak for everyone who worked there, but me, myself, I did not have the sort of experience that people immediately assume, um, you know, especially given the, you know, sort of troubles that Fox went through in the last couple of years. Right. So you were working your way up with digital media. How did you discover and get involved with the plus community? Because this is another spin you took that came out the blue. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was really, you know, for me, I always loved fashion, no matter what I was doing. Fashion was always a part of my life since I was a, you know, little girl. My mother is probably the most fashionable woman I know. And she, you know, my grandmother's both you know, owned, uh, my one grandmother owned a beauty salon, the other one owned a bridal salon. So like fashion is in my blood. And, um, you know, so I always loved it. And I've always been a plus size woman in my entire adult life. So, you know, for me, it was like, I just started talking about fashion. And when I started my fashion blog, it was still really early. Like there, it wasn't the explosion of bloggers yet that you see right now. I was, you know, sort of in that first crop of people And, um, you know, I didn't have like any grandiose ideas. I just was sharing my fashions as a plus size girl. I was, you know, dressing fashionably with really limited options at that time, which is crazy because it was, you know, 10 years ago, you would think like, you know, we still, you wouldn't realize just how far we've come in 10 years. But back then we really were only talking about a handful of stores offering um, plus size options. So I got into it with that, and then I connected with a lot of people who were editors and who were, you know, just people in the space who would say to me, oh, you know, you should model, you should go for it. And, you know, I once I got a taste of modeling, I really fell in love with it, and I pursued it for a long time, but it just ended up not being something that I wanted to go for full time, but I'm very grateful to it uh, in terms of the modeling because it really you know, helped me connect with a lot of women that still follow me on social media. And it really gave me a lot of special experiences and um, just really great relationships. And I still am a blogger and I still, um, you know, I feel like I learned a lot about the industry from my years as a model. It just wasn't personally what I wanted to continue to pursue, but it was an adventure there for a couple of years as well, for sure. 
Now, you were able to um, get some big clients as a plus-size model because you modeled for Ashley Stewart, Fashion to Figure, Monique C. So you mentioned just now you decided that was not something you wanted to pursue full-time. Now, was it because it was hard trying to navigate two careers at the same time, or was it just the plus modeling industry just put a bad taste in your mouth? That's a great question. I, I, first of all, had nothing but positive experiences with the major clients that I worked for. Ashley Stewart was my first huge client uh, nationally, and that, that was such a special experience. They still hold such a special place in my heart, and then I was their head e-commerce stylist for a couple of years after I decided that I wanted to start leaving modeling. So they were always so supportive. Same thing with Fashion to Figure. You know, now Fashion to Figure is a big deal, but at the time – Uh, Michael, you know, and I, Michael, one of the founders of the brand would always talk to me about how, you know, we were both kind of like new and starting out at that time and we were working together and it was great. And Monifa, I just think the world of, of course. Um, But yeah, I mean, modeling is just, I think people have this idea of what it is versus what it actually is. You know, Um, it's not that it really left a bad taste in my mouth. I just personally felt that I had as much as I loved modeling and it really introduced me to new things and I, it, it, I was able to put my media career or I put my media career a little bit on the back burner for a year or two while I, while I really explored modeling and went for it. I think that I just started to feel like every time I was dealing with my agent. Now this is like, I'm taking you back to like 2012 Okay. Really not that long ago, but at that time I was about a 16, 18, um, and I fluctuated. But usually I was, I'd say, in like the height of my modeling career, I was a 16, 18. Now I'm somebody who I just happen to be, you know, very voluptuous. I photograph a little bit bigger. I'm a little on the shorter side, and so like I had a lot of odds stacked against me. You know, now you have models like Ted Holiday who's you know, I think she's, I don't know how tall she is, but she's, you know, certainly a petite height model and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and like, you know, she works all the time and you have a, a lot of size diversity now, but back in the day when I was doing this, it was constantly about how I was too fat to be a plus size model. Constantly. I was reminded that my size were too big. I had too much cellulite. I was too short. Um, you know, and it was just a constant thing. And the agents that I would work with would, you know, it would be conversations where they'd say things like, oh, you know, well, let's, let's, you know, send me some Polaroids of you in lingerie and we'll talk about the things that you have to work on. And I know that's part of the game that they weren't doing anything like targeting me. They are just trying to make money and trying to make the, do the business of the whole thing. But I started to feel like, it was giving me a lot of issues and it wasn't making me happy. And I started to feel like I had so much more to say um, than just whether or not, you know, my size 18 thighs or my size 16 thighs were a little too full that week. And, you know, or like if I went on vacation or if I wasn't constantly trying to diet. And again, if people have followed me for years, everyone's seen me be everything from a size 22 to a size 14 and, you know, everything in between. And, you know, that to me was a lot of just me putting pressure on myself because I just felt like the industry wasn't ready to like, you know, really put, they weren't really ready to, you know, put, they were putting out this image that like they were size inclusive and they wanted size inclusivity, but they didn't. 
And, um, you know, that was something that I really just decided it wasn't that important to me to sacrifice my sanity and, you know, to sacrifice my brain and what I had to say, my fashion voice too, just to like, you know, be in an ad. And as wonderful as that was, and as blessed as I am, and I I know, I'm sure it sounds for some people who are just sitting at home dreaming, like, I just want to be on this cover. And I just want to do this. Like, I'm sure it sounds self-righteous of me to say that. But I just say all that to say that there are so many other avenues to make a name for yourself than just trying to like chase after being a model, because it's something you think is going to make you feel better. Now, it's interesting that you said you you were getting criticized a lot by your agency about your looks because you did change your look in different ways. You lost a lot of weight. You straightened your hair. You lightened your hair. Now, were you trying to be more marketable for your modeling career or your digital media? Because that's still a part of entertainment, too. Or was it even for personal reasons? Because I know you got married, too. So what was the dramatic change? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it was a mix of everything. I think it was, I mean, certainly, yes, my, you know, I I always had uh, dark hair and, you know, I had agents and clients kind of say like, oh, we like you a little bit better with lighter hair. And no one ever wanted my natural curly hair in terms of the shoots. Again, this is a little bit different of a time. Now I see a lot more models with their natural hair modeling. But at that time, that was what I was being told, that they wanted to see me with straight hair, you know, like Kardashian type hair and, you know, to be like more, you know, I'm a black woman, I'm biracial, but, you know, that, that was constantly like, they wanted me to be the sort of like racially ambiguous model. That was sort of where I was marketable. And I destroyed my hair. First of all, I had to cut, I I had a big chop. I did the big chop last year, a year and a half ago, um, because I just destroyed my natural curl pattern. I had this really beautiful curly hair and I just was constantly dyeing it and lightening it and highlighting and straightening and all this stuff. And I destroyed my hair. And then, yeah, I mean, a lot of unhealthy diet choices, like over the years of just going up and down and up and down. So I think it was a mix. It was some of like, yeah, the agency pressure and feeling like, yes, I did get more of a response when I was a little bit more like mainstream polished of what people would think was mainstream and polished two words that I really hate, but that I heard so often in those years. And then also just um, probably a little bit of my own like insecurities, you know, like you go down a path and you start getting caught up in that and you start feeling like, well, this is how people want to see me. And this is where like, this is what I have to do to make it. And, um, you know, I just really kind of probably got a little caught up in that. And, um, you know, all of that was really just difficult. And, you know, it was actually my husband who was like, you know, when I met you, like you're, you're becoming someone that's not you, like this is, you know, you're Mm. trying to be something, you know, that is, that is not you. And, and the thing is like, I love to experiment with my look. It's just that I would never destroy my own hair the way I did in the past. You know, I love Mm -hmm. to be healthy, but I'm not necessarily trying to be thin, you know, and, and it's not that I was even trying to be thin, but I was trying to hit that like 14 was that like goal for me back then. And right. I just could never hit it. And I was constantly doing like, you name it, I did it, girl. The cabbage soup diet, the, you know, I was keto, then I was this, and, I, and it just was like, I was trying to prove something and I was trying to fit myself like, you know, a square peg in a round hole, you know, around, you know, I don't never know which one that is. But yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, after a while I had to, 
have to step back and just be like, are you doing this for you? Are you doing this to try to like make it in something that is not even what you went to school for or what your like, you know, real passion was. You know, I always say like modeling is kind of, was kind of like a mistress that I feel like took me away from like my, you know, spouse of, you know, what my career was and the other things that I could do. And again, I'm so grateful to it. It was a really great experience, but I kind of lost myself there for a couple of years. So you experimented with modeling, had some success, decided it wasn't for you. So you focused more on your professional career and then boom, you became VP of women's lifestyle (laughs) brands at Interactive One. Now, tell us what you did there and what type of projects you worked on. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I started out as the managing, I came in as the managing editor for HelloBeautiful.com. Um, and that was a really great experience. Just really, you know, I had been pr- prior to that, I had been freelancing. I had been contributing to people style watch mag. I had been, you know, um, working as an editor at various publications. And then when I came, when I decided I wanted to go back to work full time, I found that I was approached for this opportunity at, at Hello Beautiful. And then when I was there, it was just a really great run. I had a really great um, team and I had a really um, great experience. And um, from there, I became the editorial director of Hello Beautiful. And then I, then we merged and I One Digital purchased a number of sites, um, you know, as part of a merger that included Bossup and Madame Noir and uh, Hip Hop Wired. And so they created a women's division and they asked me to run the women's division because I had success at Hello Beautiful. They asked me to run the women's division, which included Hello Beautiful and Madame Noir. And um, it was just really great. You know, we, we covered women's lifestyle. Um, it, it was, you know, it's a, a black women's lifestyle site. And so we talked about everything from the housewives to, you know, Sinclair Brown and the news that came out with that today, you know, that she's been granted clemency and Sandra Bland. And I was there during those really like critical years of all the issues that were going on with the police. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we really got to cover a lot of social justice issues and I really was proud to bring news to those sites, but also, um, you know, or build up on news. They were doing it a little bit. And then also just, um, you know, cover the fun stuff. We talked about a lot of fashion. We talked about a lot of celebrities and we talked about beauty and just basically everything that women talk about was what we were covering on the site. And it was a terrific experience and um you know again i i I left that job in september but i'm still very close with my teams and still remain super proud of them and it was amazing so you left that job in september so now you're working on a new chapter now what is it tell us what you're doing now yeah so i've been working you know ever since because of my experience with retail and again the fashion modeling and all that I've always been um, a retail and social media consultant for different uh, brands so and I've also obviously because of my media experience I've been able to do with media brands as well so I've been doing some consulting um, and just working with different companies on um, their social media content copywriting for them editing their content working with them on newsletters and just really like you know, um, going after and improving their customer base and their fan base. And so that's been really exciting. And then, honestly, I've, I've been working on, um, you know, just other, you know, projects that I 
um, you know, have wanted to do for a long time. I've been writing a lot and just looking for my next move. You know, I wanted to take some time to really focus on myself and think about really strategically where I wanted to go next, what I wanted to do next. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to be able to have my fashion blogging and my consulting, you know, be able to, to help me do that. And it looks like now um, that you have a little more time, you have reemerged in the plus community because I saw you um, doing a fashion blog for Lane Bryant and you recently wrote an article for Plus Model Magazine that got a lot of people talking. (laughs) Yes, well... Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely, um, one of the things that I was really committed to was really just going back to making sure that, you know, I was not, uh, so, you know, sometimes I think when we have a full-time job and you have your blogging or whatever, your sort of like side hustles and your, your other passions are, sometimes you can sacrifice one for the other. And, um, you know, so I, when I was working at full-time, I was really throwing myself into that. And so it was really important for me to be really consistent with my fashion blogging and really be working with so many of the brands that I've loved and admired for so many years and, and been a customer of, but haven't necessarily collaborated with them. So that was really great to do that with Lane Bryant, who, you know, I just love and I love their team. And um, yeah. And the plus model magazine piece was um, just really, again, me, me talking about issues that I think are affecting the plus community, but using my background as a journalist to really merge all of my sort of loves and, and do that the best way. And the plus model mag piece was really focused on, um, just think conversations that I've had with um, Maddie, Madeline Jones, the editor of Plus Model Magazine, and and my friends in the industry just talking about how, you know, people are, whether or not we're seeing a little bit too much nudity as like the only way that we're sort of ever getting attention or going viral or even getting followers in our own personal lives, um, you know, is like, is it, it was exploring the question of like, are we using, the, the nude plus size body is like that sort of commodity to do that. And, um, you know, it made some people really mad, of course. Um, and it made some people really feel, <laughs> yeah. And it made some people feel really great and, and really was thought provoking. And, you know, ultimately the, I believe that's what journalism is about. You're always going to have people mad at you. You're always going to have people, um, you know, who really it stops to make them say, well, Hey, I never thought about that. And uh, this was definitely something that got a lot of of feedback. People had a lot of opinions on it. (laughs) So I have a lot of listeners that are trying to make a name for themselves in the plus industry, trying to get their brand off the ground. So what are some ways you would advise ladies in the plus community to build their brand and get press besides posting provocative pictures on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's hard. I, I, I know that a lot of people are, you know, getting notoriety for posting, um, you know, provocative pictures. And I, and I certainly don't knock anybody for that, um, you know, because I think that, you know, if you have the confidence to put it out there and, and you're, you feel good with it, then, then you should do what you want to do. I think it's just, it, it becomes a problem when people feel like that's the only way that they'll get numbers, you know, right, or that's right. the only way that like the industry can get any attention. 
Um, so I would say a couple of things. I would say really just focus on what makes you individual. Sometimes I think we, and that doesn't mean that like you have to wear brands that no one else is wearing, or you have to wear like crazy outfits that no one else is wearing, or you have to do things that, you know, no one else is doing. I think it's really just stopping to think about like, what do I have to say that is really unique? And what do I have to say? And, you know, that makes me special. I think sometimes, especially as women, we have a really hard time stepping back and saying like, what, what do I have to offer um, that makes me special? And every single person has something. Um, and we need so many people to share their gifts and share their, what makes them special. So I think it's really like figuring that out. And it's also, you know, just networking. That's a big thing. Um, you know, if there's, if, if you live in a place where there are no local events, put one on because I guarantee you there are plus plus size women, you know, in your neighborhood. Start a, if you don't want to put on an event, you know, start a little networking group where like, you know, once a month or once every two months, you just get together and you have dinner or you have whatever and you start thinking about what you can do in your community. Um, and just really, you know, I think just being honest, I think that's something people really want in social media right now. Everybody's perfect. Everybody's, you know, I've, I've got this and I've got this designer label and I've got this and, you know, but that's not most people's real life, you know? So I think really what people respond to is authenticity. So I think just being yourself. And even if you start out with just, you know, 40, 50 followers, like everybody started out with 40 or 50 followers and, um, really create that network, especially because nowadays brands are looking to work with what they call micro-influencers who are people who have, you know, 5,000 followers or less a lot because if you have 5,000, if you have 2,000 really loyal followers, that's better than someone sometimes who has a million followers, but those followers are like men who just want to comment on their bodies and not right. actually like translate to sales. So I think right. it's really just like cultivating an, a true network and really just being loyal to that audience and being authentic to that audience. So what is the ultimate goal with your career and your brand? Because we've talked about your career from beginning to end and, you know, you've done different things where you've excelled in almost everything that you've dipped your foot into. So what's, <sighs> what's the ultimate goal? I mean, well, thank you for saying that. I mean, you know, it's um, it's very easy when it's your life to feel like I haven't done enough and I'm not doing this and I need to do right. more. And I, I think I've really been in that um, in that headspace. I was actually just talking with my followers about this um, and just talking about my faith and spirituality and just being like, gosh, you know, I feel like I'm trying so hard and I'm ready for the next thing, but it hasn't come to me yet. So um, I think you know, so thank you for saying that. And then first of all, and then second of all, for my career, what do I want to do? You know, to be honest with you, I want to just continue to first do projects that are meaningful and are impactful to people. I always, um, I'm a storyteller by nature, whether I'm telling stories through, you know, my clothes and my fashion, or I'm actually telling other people's stories, or I'm exposing things that are happening in these industries that no one's really talking about. I always want to tell the truth, and I always want to, you know, do things that mean things to people in their community and in their everyday lives. So I hope that, you know, with my journalism and my fashion, I can continue to do that. Um, I'm really, really, really trying to work on my book, um, you know, which is 
you know, just a, a project that I've wanted to do for a long time and, you know, really just writing in that avenue, which is something I haven't really pushed myself hard enough to do. And so I'm really focused 2019 on that. Um, you know, I'd like to focus on my family. Um, I'd like to be alone and I'd like to, you know, just kind of make sure that I can find a way to incorporate that into my life. I think that's really important for me at this point. And, um, you know, the rest is up to God. I'm not someone who's like, you know, in 12 years, I'm going to be this person. You know, I am leaving myself to God to direct my steps. And I'm always staying open to different opportunities. I'm always staying open to what's next for me and what my skills and my talents can allow me to do. But no matter what, it will always involve telling people stories and advocating for plus size women, for women of color, for women in general and underrepresented communities. I think that's something that's really important to me. And so that's what, you know, no matter what my work is doing, you'll always see me doing something with that. And what are you um, available for? If somebody's listening and want to hire you, what areas are you um, freelancing in now? Yeah, absolutely. Well, certainly, first and foremost, I'm always a writer and editor, and I've been a writing tutor and instructor. So I can, you know, if you're someone who is looking for, you know, writing and editing for your site and, you know, or, you know, contributors that you're looking for for your magazines or for your, um, you know, outlets, I'm, I'm definitely open to that. I'm also open to editing people and helping them to grow and even just working with them. Like if you want to write, but you feel like you don't really know how to, or you don't know how to express your voice. I've done some ghost writing with people and helping them with that. So certainly that's first and foremost definitely always open to fashion collaborations. If you're a brand or a boutique, um, you know, hit me up. I don't believe in doing, you know, work for free, nor would I ask somebody to work for free for me. But, you know, um, I think it's really important to, you know, look at what, um, how we could collaborate. That also doesn't mean that I'm asking for thousands of dollars if you're like an indie boutique starting up. But I think it has to be that sort of business relationship. I think women have to treat each other like business owners and business people. And that's something I advocate for hard. Um, And then, you know, I'm definitely just always open to like SEO and social media consulting. If somebody needs that, I can do fashion styling. The whole list of what I do is, um, is actually on my website and um, people can just see, you know, all the different ways. And if you have a question and you have some like crazy thing that I didn't mention here, or, you know, something that you're thinking of, hit me up, you know, uh, the worst I could, you know, it, it, at best it's always great to hear what people are looking for and think about how I could evolve as a professional and, you know, give people those services. Well, that's awesome. So tell us your official website and your social media handles. Sure, yeah. So people can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Allie Maguez. That's A-L-L-I-E-M-C-G-E-V. And we have a lot of fun there. You know, um, I talk a lot about news on my Twitter, and it's a little bit more political. And we definitely talk more a little about fashion on my Instagram. So, you know, depending on your interest or if you're interested in both, you can definitely feel free to follow me there. Um, I'm on Facebook just by looking me up as Allison McGevna. Uh, last last name is M-C-G-E-V-N-A. And my website is just AllisonMcGevna.com. And, um, yeah, and people can hit me there and they have access to my email. And I tend to be really good at responding to messages and DMs and things, you know, that are professional or people, you know, seeking help or assistance and things like that. I really, truly love connecting with women. 
um, about fashion and about life and about all the things. Keyword professional. Keyword professional, yes. Please do not email me, talk about, can you send me a copy of your sweater, you know, which men have asked for, you know, or can you send me a copy of this picture or your sweater or something like that, you know. And I am also a happily married woman, so no, I'm not looking for dating and all that stuff. So, yes, and, you know, sometimes you do have to say that. You're right. But, yeah, you know, I can generally, obviously, you know, those people don't get answered. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I had a fabulous time talking with you and continue success on the next chapter in your life. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for giving me the chance to just kind of talk about my own journey. It's really exciting. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, keep in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. And thank you to our guest this evening, Allison McGavna. I've been your host, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed. You've been listening to The Shanice Lewis Show. For more info about the show, visit ShaniceLewisShow.com.